0: Welcome in to episode 114 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. My name is David Stabman, and as always, I'm jo- joined by my good friend Angelo and Glisa As we rewatch, we live, remember wrestling pay-per-view every single week. And this week, got a nice treat going back to one of our specific favorite eras of pro wrestling. We are talking about uh, pre-AEW NXT, actually like the very, very end. This is kind of an interesting time to talk about because this is like mm-hmm. the, the very end of the pre aew NXT era, capped off by the huge blow-off match in the feud between the two guys that really, or two of the guys that really defined this era of NXT, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, three stages of hell for the NXT title. It is, of course, NXT TakeOver Toronto 2019. Let me tell you, Three hours for a takeover is a lot, especially because there are always five matches. All five of these matches get a lot of time. They're mostly all really good, but that's, that's of course, because the main event goes almost a full hour as uh, Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole just do all of the shit that they can possibly think of and cram it all into just a Michael Bay blockbuster of a uh, NXT main event. Really been like it's just a match in a show that I remember really well already. Really been looking forward to talking about this one. What is going on? Andy? Yeah, the, this
1: NXT black and gold era. Honestly, outside of the the era of marks, which is what, what we refer to as the mid 2000s uh, WWE, this is probably my favorite era to always go back and watch because nothing ever really misses here. Everything is good. Everything makes sense. Everything is super entertaining. And just the presentation makes it really feel very unique. But like you said, this is kind of uh, the, the end of it because the year before, almost exactly a year before, 11 months, uh, 11 months before this was all in and you know there were the rumblings of this new independent company aew Mm -hmm. that were ready to start and i think a lot of the guys that were getting targeted uh from wwe were those nxt call-ups that kind of got misbooked very fast and then we were just like as nxt fans why the hell are we booking them like this they were so good at nxt what do you mean that they can't get over here
0: yeah and uh we are we're at this time we are a couple, we're scant months away from the uh, beginning of the Monday Night War, or the Wednesday Night War, rather. Right, uh, the first AEW Dynamite was about two months away, but uh, at this point, a couple weeks before, they had had AEW had had the uh, the TV deal announced with Tn with with, with TNT where they're. Going to have the weekly show that had just happened before. Dynamite had just been announced a couple of weeks before. And then um, like right after this, they move NXT to Wednesday nights, right? This was like the last takeover and one of the last NXT shows under the original NXT format, which was, yeah, we have this one hour show that's pre-taped on – the WWE Network. Uh, and then we have the big takeovers that are the big blowout shows that, you know, it, it's like the NXT guys get their big spotlight in like a pay-per-view style setting and everyone goes crazy. Then, of course, they switch it to live over the air on USA Network, two hours long, kind of prevent like more straight up like a Raw or SmackDown type show. And then, you know, two... Compete directly with AEW Dynamite. This is really this show is like the end of an era here for NXT. And they you can't you can't say they don't go out with a fucking bang here. Huge bang. I do love
1: I, like, I have an appreciation for appreciation for NXT a lot. I mean, black and gold there was really its own thing. I wouldn't even call it developmental because a lot of the people that they got in there were so established outside the annals of WWE history. Yeah. That I mean,
0: you, have, you, have, you have Roderick Strong on this panel. <laughs> like Roddy had been one of the best workers in the U.S. for like 15 years. Sorry. Yeah.
1: So it's okay. just always like – you you view it as its own thing. And I think that's kind of what WWE, ironically, at least the higher ups, the the suits, if you will, didn't like about it. is they're like they treat it as its own entity. It's like no, we're gonna bring you in correctly under the fold. And I still enjoy NXT from the aspect today of it is a true developmental. It feels like very much more like a territory show more so than anything else. Um, just because they run the show in the same place over and over and over again, and they have a lot of like outlandish gimmicks but back this during this era there weren't a lot of gimmicks it was just really fantastic workers great stories everything felt very meaningful uh just between every individual and like the even the gimmicks that you had i think ascension was one of the weird gimmicks uh sanity was another one but like those gimmicks weren't like they off weren't the wall. they weren't like off the wall bonkers that we see today yeah
0: they weren't like you know like you know, like a lot like especially when they like reintroduced NXT they rebranded as NXT 2.0 that era it became a lot of like describe your gimmick in one word. Oh, I'm a mobster. I'm a <laughs> university professor, you know. Not that I don't love either of those guys. Like <laughs> it's 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 definitely a completely different feel. I mean, NXT at this time was and we've talked about this before. Cause I think we did. What was the other NXT takeover we did not that long ago? Uh was it Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix, which I think is like not that long after this. I have to I have to look at this this up. It was it was a a super indie basically more than anything. It was it like at least in terms of the style of wrestling, in terms of the guys that they were bringing in, were like for this this period of time, especially you had the guys that were. You know, long-time indie stars, guys who were wrestling in Ring of Honor. I mean, the guys that you have on this show, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano in the main event, guys who've been around for, you know, years and years by that point. You have guys like Roddy Strong on there. Like As I mentioned before, Candice LeRae is here. You know, Mia Yim was a, a vet. You know, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were around forever. Yeah, you know, they, they only dedicate you have two like the list of people who are wrestling on this show who are like real like WWE developmental people you have the street profits um you have i'm I'm looking at this card right now velveteen you have velveteen dream was she Shay- I know Shayna was MMA Shayna, but Shayna pretty much that's that's it you know that's it everyone else are people who were like, and even Shayna, Shayna didn't start in WWE. She, Shayna had had some experience a little bit before. She had wrestled on the indies a little bit and had the kind of um, notoriety from being an MMA fighter and from being Ronda Rousey's friend more than anything. Because She wasn't like a that good of an MMA fighter. Um, but like she was she was pals with Ronda Rousey. Uh, but like now it's it's you're loaded up when you watch NXT you're loaded up mostly with people who have spent their whole careers in the WWE system like true WWE product guys and that was I think it, in large part a reaction to AEW would move in very shortly into that niche that NXT had fulfilled And for, you... for the wrestling fan in W in in, in North America right like that was that was the that was the niche that they had and then aaw came in with a bigger budget and just kind of overall better product that more people wanted to see and then that was it for them and they had to completely go a different direction
1: and even though aaw now i don't think hits all the highs that this nxt era did um you, you still get moments of it like this Adam Cole uh, MJF feud really does have some NXT black and gold vibes to it. Just like how they're telling the story so far. I again, Adam Cole was someone when he came back. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not feeling number one babyface Adam Cole. And within like two months I was like, okay, nope, I'm sold. I'm just utterly sold on this. He's so Adam- damn good. Cole's back folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, it's just interesting. It's an interesting feel. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 uh, this is a, a time period where, like, I don't know. I kind of watch this and I feel the impending doom. <laughs> like, right after this, AEW is going to start up for real. You know, they've already run a couple big shows, um, that were very well received. And, you know, I, I don't think that we knew necessarily that they were going to, like, end up, spending the way that they did and bringing in the names that they did right now. They have the elite and Cody Rhodes and guys like that. But then like when you go out and get, you know, a Danielson and an Adam Cole and that, you know, all these other guys like, you know, a CM Punk, obviously, then the game changes completely. But like. I don't know, it's it's crazy to think about how like completely. How like how thoroughly they won the the the, the war. Yes. You know I mean? Because you- like. They just come in here and do the same shit that or like a similar thing to what uh, NXT does and just blow them out of the water. It's insane, too, because
1: I, I like after this Adam Cole era, I don't know exactly the I forget exactly how this the Adam Cole era ends. But we do get to the Keith Lee NXT champion moment, which like Keith Lee, I think, was the star of that last NXT hiccup. Yeah, a- a- everything he did was always fantastic. Like, I-, I will always remember his match against Dijak for the North American title. Oh, yeah. That was, it was, it was utterly bonkers. But the guy, unfortunately, I think the guy who's going to get the rub as the death knell of old style NXT. Cool Kyle. Uh, well, cool Kyle is definitely one of them. But I, c-
0: I think of carrying Cross. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that was Cross is just such a complete like. Very obviously just a complete Triple H project. I think it's just he's literally just a guy that Triple H likes. Yeah. And like he He's a guy that like checks like like we personally know like what like, like I, I, I especially thought like during that era where AEW and NXT were going head to head, you really got to see like Triple H turning the show into this is all the shit that I personally think is cool. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when you get like Carrie and Cross show up and really like get a huge push. But yeah, no, like remember, like it was it was Cole lost the title to Keith Lee. And then you ended up with the Undisputed Era breaking up after like not long after that. And then you got Babyface cool Kyle fighting, uh, fighting Adam Cole. Uh, and then eventually they all go to AEW. <laughs> uh, but yeah, including Keith Lee, every single person here in AEW goes to or every every single person in NXT ends up going to AEW.
1: Yeah. So we got uh, so strong Cole. Actually, this isn't but this isn't as bad as other NXT we had. It, it's literally just the Undisputed Era guys. <laughs> Only the Undisputed Era guys on this card are ones that no, are no longer with WWE.
0: That, I guess, is that true?
1: Yeah, everyone everyone else is still with WWE. Oh, Velveteen, obviously. Well, doesn't Velveteen mean. doesn't count.
0: But yeah, I mean you have the majority of these people are on the main roster, but I, I think I think I mean I guess the guys that have done the most have been the street profits, probably. I think Dunn is uh He now, I mean Dunn has I mean Dunn has been like a guy like, you know, he's he's butching around right now. He's a guy. EO's about to break out. Like 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 Pete and E I EO have been good, but like have peaked as, like, guy faction. Henchmen. what I mean. Shayna hasn't really, like, gotten a bit. Like, Shayna's kind of been, like, a guy in tag teams.
1: Her best, her best run was when she eliminated everyone in Elimination Chamber only to lose at Mania. Yeah. And then her... I think the Nia Jax tag team run is actually underrated.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But, like, she's been, like, a tag team person, pretty much. And then Johnny, I don't... I don't Johnny's main roster run has been weird,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but yeah, I mean, you just you have a lot of guys. Like it's 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 kind of the story of NXT, right? It's it's you have a guy, a lot of people who didn't really end up doing as much as you thought they were going to. Uh, but yeah, this is a fun show again, with kind of the dread of the impending AEW, uh, the sword of Damocles hanging over the head. <laughs> now, 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 like. Because Vince McMahon has to pathologically compete with everybody. He's going to completely repurpose NXT and, and change everything about it in an attempt to – or at least in, in the way that it, it, it's – it's, it like not necessarily in the way it was presented or the way it was booked because it was still very much the Triple H show. But like the way it works in order to compete directly with AEW, not realizing that like y- you couldn't really do that. AEW is going to be doing what NXT was doing on a higher level people loved nxt because it was like yes it was under the wwe banner but it provided that sort of like big budget super indie kind of like alternative to what you were seeing on the main roster uh but was ultimately like ultimately had the like event like the dread of like Eventually, these guys that I love in NXT, I'm going to have to see them go on the main roster and look like fucking dorks forever. Right. Yeah, always afraid of that. Um, whenever someone lost a title, you're like, OK, well, they're going up to the main roster now and they're going to look like a fucking idiot forever. Uh, then AEW comes along and it's not a part of WWE and they you don't have to worry about that anymore. <sighs>
1: Who are the most successful call ups that they've had? I mean, I uh, top of my mind, Drew,
0: like in the NXT era, I mean, like
1: Drew, Kevin Owens.
0: Yeah, like from the classic NXT era. I mean, like because like people like Seth Rollins technically count. Yeah, like like Dean Ambrose technically counts like Roman. I think did Roman wrestle in FCW? I think
1: Roman was just FCW. I don't think he was ever on NXT.
0: Yeah, he might have been once or twice, but like. Like, Rollins was the first NXT champion, right? So you have those guys at the beginning and, like, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who kind of stuck around long enough that they ended up becoming main eventers. Um, And then, like, yeah, like, I mean... Charlotte? Finn? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the women. But, like, if you were in NXT after 2016, 2015, you were kind of fucked. Because, like, all the people we're naming who were, like, successful, like, big stars in the main roster... With the exception of, like, maybe Bianca Belair. Rhea. And Rhea, yeah. With the exception of those two. For men, for men, if you were an NXT past 2015-16, you're fucked. <laughs> like, if you're a woman, there were a few that were able to fucking make it. But, like, if you were a guy, you were boned, dude. So boned. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Still, still can't believe they couldn't figure out Andrade. Andrade felt like the easiest guy to figure
0: out. I know. Well, I don't know. That... That was a that was a shame. That was a fucking shame. I mean, they literally like Adam Cole, like refused to go up to the main roster because they were going to have him be uh, cut his hair and be a manager. So (laughs) dumb. He's literally Adam fucking. Cole.
1: Actually, so another post uh, 2016 success. Man, that's so crazy that they (laughs) were going to do that. I I will say post post 2016 success. L.A. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Dummy. Yeah. (laughs) I fucking love L.A. Night, man. Oh, he's so he's
0: so over. I, like that, it, it remains to be seen what like <laughs> we're, we'll actually do something with him. Though. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely over, but that's not that's not a uh, that that's not always uh the like everything that matters here. Yeah, we, hopefully it's not a Zack Ryder situation. Uh, you 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 don't know you don't know, but it sounds like we are ready. To remember some guys. Let's remember some guys, David. All right. Let's remember some guys. It is August 10th, 2019. We are at the Scotiabank Arena, home of the then reigning NBA champion, Toronto Raptors. Shout out Kawhi Leonard. Uh, 13,735 people in the crowd for what is actually the second NXT TakeOver Toronto. They did the first one in 2016, headlined by a Samoa Joe Shinsuke Nakamura and NXT Championship match, uh, with uh, Samoa Joe taking home the belt. A five-match card, as we've already discussed at length, at the end of the classic NXT era, we are a scant few weeks away from the beginning of the Wednesday Night Wars, and in just a couple of weeks after this, we're going to be moving NXT to a live Two-hour show on Wednesday nights on the USA Network after years of it being a, I think it was just one hour, one hour long show on the WWE Network. Um, This was, of course, back when they still had the takeovers always attached, like exclusively only attached to uh, the... Big four pay per views, and then they went away from it and they've kind of like gone back and forth, but now they just have like kind of big shows whenever it seems like. Um, this was attached to SummerSlam 2019, which had a Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar main event, and very memorably, Goldberg giving Dolph Ziggler the fly on windshield.
1: <laughs> I also remember that SummerSlam as being aggressively mid.
0: Yeah, but I always remember Dolphin. I remember when they announced Dolphin Goldberg, the pure elation of like, oh, my God, how the fuck is Dolph going to sell for Goldberg? Like he might take a spear and then fly out of the arena and we'll never see him again. Team Rocket's blasting off again. Dolph is going to shoot, die. (laughs) He's going to kill himself selling for Goldberg. I'm so excited. Um, and we have as big of a main event as we can have here in NXT. Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano conclude their legendary rivalry with three stages of hell, which they call – they don't call it a three stages of hell match at any point. They call it a best two out of three falls match, but it is a three stages of hell match because they have different stipulations in each fall. For the NXT title, we have great announce booth, Mauro Ranallo, Nigel McGinnis, Beth Phoenix on the call. always really liked Beth Phoenix when she was uh, an announcer. I think she really came into it. Um, we start by, this was weird, uh, wide shot of the arena as we all watch the, like, intro video on the Tron. Like, they have a shot of the Tron playing the video. I kind of fucked with it. That was weird. I didn't like that. I just want to see the intro video. I don't need to see the back of people's fucking darkened heads as I'm watching this intro video. I didn't think it made any sense. And we start by... Out of the men on this show, as we've said, I think the most successful main roster guys to come out of this, um, for WWE at least, it is the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins. The only pro wrestler named Angelo, folks. Angelo Dawkins. No, oh, not true. Angelo Parker. Angelo Parker, right. Uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Cool hand Ange. Um, my bad. My, my apologies to Angelo Respect Par- the Angelos. Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. They are defending the NXT titles against – tag team titles against the undisputed era team of Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Uh, Folks, where's the lie? Uh, Street Profits come out wearing uh, Toronto Raptors-themed gear. I do enjoy that they go for the – and they still do this to this day. They go for the cheap pop of having, like, themed gear around, like, a local sports team everywhere. Yes. That's a great cheap pop thing. And the gear always looks really cool. Um – you know, and they're really over. They run into the crowd. All the crowd has the solo cups. Everyone's going crazy for the uh, the street profits, the civic pride of their NBA champion Raptors. Shout out Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm going to mention the Raptors several times. I'm just <laughs> going to like mention a different guy who was up. As the- I was really rooting for the Raptors that year. Yeah, was- it was fun. It was very cool when they won. Uh, man, Kawhi was fucking great. That how good was Kawhi that postseason?
1: Insane. Uh, that, because that postseason he had the buzzer beater against Philly where it bounced off the rim like 17 times.
0: Yeah, dude, fucking crazy. Uh, we get, you know, the, the undisputed era was, they were, you know, very much, very much NWO style in that their, their name, their, their theme song was like a direct ripoff of the NWO theme song, but also they were heels, but they were cool and people cheered for them um undisputed chance for Kyle and Fish uh and this this turns into a really 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 good opening match um fucking montez ford hits his ludicrous drop kick early on he probably i, I don't know if there's ever been a pro wrestler who has more just pure hops just pure unadulterated hops than montez i his, would be willing to put him up against any other athlete his leaping ability is absolutely insane Um, they, uh, do a bunch of double team offense. Uh, Dawkins hits a really nice running European uppercut. And then he does his like three sixty stinger splash that he does. Uh, but then Bobby fish cuts him off. The undisputed Era gets heat. They beat him up. They do all their striking Kyle O'Reilly. Always. I love watching Kyle because he has all his strikes are great. And he has so many different cool sequences that he does. Mm hmm. And they methodically wear Angelo down. Eventually he gets the hot tag to Montez. Montez flies around. Like literally his feet do not touch the ground for his entire hot tag. He's jumping 75 feet in the air. Hits a back suplex. Like back flips out of a back suplex. Then hits one on Bobby Fish. Standing moonsault. Hits a spine buster. Starts teasing the people's elbow. Kyle O'Reilly grabs his foot as he hits the ropes. Um, Montez then back body drops Fish out of the ring onto Kyle O'Reilly. He gets Fish back in the ring and then hits him with a rock bottom for a near fall. Then they cut off Tez again. They beat up Montez for a while. They hit this really cool uh, – Troy Locke, if you're listening, we're stealing this double team. <laughs> Wheelbarrow, double-arm DDT into a German super. I knew you would steal that shit. Fucking cool. Stealing that shit 100%. <laughs> Fucking really cool shit. Bobby Fish hits a – they do this other great combo where – Bobby Fish hits a top rope exploder and then Kyle O'Reilly comes off, hits a diving knee drop onto the leg into the Achilles lock, which is a thing that I love. I love when people do top rope moves onto a limb that they're targeting for like a submission. Like the king of this is – like one of the only people you see do this a lot. Is Robbie Eagles in New Japan Pro Wrestling because mm-hmm. one is like one of his main finishers is like a leg submission, um, and he will do the four fifty splash onto the guy's leg, and it looks brutal. And you have Kyle O'Reilly doing like the like the diving knee drop onto uh, Montez's leg, and then going straight into the Achilles lock. I fucking went crazy for that.
1: By the way, more people need to be doing the Achilles lock. It's just it looks like it's such such a simple move to do, and I'm like, yeah, I believe that hurts like hell.
0: Yeah, literally like the the meta of uh, from what I have been uh, what I have heard, like the the meta now in like competitive jujitsu is just like leg locks now. Like that's all like if you're if you are like a like a high level jujitsu guy, you're basically like only doing leg locks now, hmm. which is crazy. But like, yeah, I mean, shit is like shit is like if you if you know anything about like fighting, like it is shoot super effective. Um, And if there's anything that. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish want to get over with their tag team. It's, hey, we got... Hey, guys, we do MMA. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do this. This was fucking awesome. Um, we get uh, Angelo Dawkins. And so there was another cool one where it was like, he's got him in the Achilles lock. He's about to escape. You see Montez almost get to the rope. And then... Uh, Bobby Fish hits, like, a diving elbow out of nowhere. Like, you barely, like, he, like, the camera does not pick Bobby Fish up until he's basically landing on Montez. Um, and then he hits the diving elbow, and that allows, like, Kyle to get him back into the center of the ring. But eventually, Dawkins picks Fish up and slams him onto Kyle to break up the hold. Um, we get a hot tag to uh, Dawkins, who, like, throws, he's throwing guys around. He's, you know, hits a running bulldog. Uh, hits a huge forearm. Kyle Riley tries to do his rebound. Lariat Dawkins catches him into an exploder. Then I thought this was crazy. The way this looked where he like shot in for like a double leg. And then Kyle caught him with the knee coming in. That was crazy. Also like very MMA type deal. Um, that looked crazy. Dawkins backs into the corner. Montez tags him as Dawkins backs into the corner, stunned off of this knee. Um, Kyle O'Reilly jumps up on him into a guillotine choke, but then Dawkins holds him up as Tez comes off the top rope with this huge blockbuster, very Buff Bagwell-style blockbuster. Uh, Goes for the pin. Bobby Fish breaks it up. Coming to the end of the match, we get this big strike exchange that ends with Montez kicking everybody out. He gets a huge flip dive onto both of the Undisputed Era guys. Dawkins hands out a pair of spears in the ring, and then Montez hits this ludicrously fucking huge high frog splash on Kyle O'Reilly. And the Street Profits get the pin and win the match. Fantastic opener, 16 minutes and 56 seconds.
1: I love all these guys, man. They're just, I mean, Bobby Fish may be the least out of them all, but like every one of these dudes is just so good at what they do here. A macro perspective. I can really see Dawks and Ford like five years from now having a really similarly compelling, like maybe not as compelling as a bloodline feud. But like there's a lot of me on the bone if they ever do a feud between those two guys in a me- in a meaningful way.
0: Ever feud against each other. I, I have don't. no interest in that just because I'm so afraid that like. Like Montez is obviously the star of those two. But right? Docs
1: is so good.
0: No, but this is what I'm saying. Like, I think like Dawkins is great. And I love watching him wrestle. He has improved an insane amount. For like a guy, this was a guy that was in NXT forever. Like before he actually like really caught on, he was in the he was in developmental for fucking ever before he like linked up with Montez and they got something that actually got the like got him really over. But like he's improved so much, and I think he's great. But I feel like when you look at Montez, like. His athleticism, his like leaping ability, his like also just pure fucking charisma because Montez is charismatic as fuck.
1: So insane.
0: There's not a good track record for uh, tag teams breaking up in WWE and then both guys doing well. Yeah. I just fear that as a guy who loves Angelo Dawkins, like he's going to be the guy that gets fucked
1: entirely a fair assumption, too. Uh, But, like, again, every time Dox is out there, I'm always impressed by him. Like, it feels like as good and obviously good Montez is, Dox is deceptively good. Like, Dox will do some crazy thing, whether it's his fee of strength, whether it's just, like, deceptive speed. Again, we mentioned this, I think, a lot the past month for whatever reason, because it's just a great spot. Him exploding,
0: (laughs) him taking out Braun. That was... I was I that was like the fucking coolest shit I've ever seen. Like I it all the time because it was that fucking cool. I, and like moments
1: like that make me think, yeah, Docs could a thousand percent find a role solo if they ever go Montez Ford is the main event guy. Like, even just as an undercard dude, Docs I think, like, as a mid carter makes a lot of sense. The guy's uh, the guy is such a deep repertoire of suplexes, like, deceptively. Everything he does is just deceptively good. You're like, oh, wait, he has, like, 17 different suplexes. Oh, wait, he can do the uh, uh, Suicidas. Wait, he has some top rope stuff. Oh, he's got some big power moves. Like, he's got a lot uh, of bags.
0: Yeah, Dawkins it's- is a big guy, but he's very athletic. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. a, He's a good mix of, like... He's a big guy who's really like he doesn't like necessarily like you don't necessarily think of him as like a huge guy like he's sort of like D'Lo Brown in the sense where we talk about D'Lo Brown where it's like you don't realize how huge he is but he's fucking big yeah like, he's a big fucking guy but he's very athletic you and know against like? these against these UE guys too he looked massive
1: like yeah. genuinely huge. In um, the right way too, because I know like he was some of them maybe was a little bit pudgier uh, as the start of his NXT run, but he's really got himself into some great shape. I, again, you mentioned O'Reilly's offense, like that's I, I love O'Reilly for that. Get well soon, man. No one else wrestles like him. He's a unique talent. No one else has his move set really that it's, you can look around.
0: Cool watching Kyle because he like you know like he he very much presents as this like I'm a tough fucking MMA fighter guy. Like I'm a shooter style guy. And he does a lot of like, you can tell when you watch him as someone who like is like has, has been and I haven't watched as much recently because the UFC is such a fucking horrific organization. It, like, it's kind of turned me off, but like as someone who used to watch MMA religiously, like you can tell that he watches MMA a lot, like a lot and like really studies it and like does a lot of stuff that's inspired by that. But like in creative ways, Mm -hmm. I mean, and like really like specific shit that like like, oh, yeah, like you can say that you do a bunch of punches and kicks and say, oh, I'm an MMA guy. But like he does a lot of specific shit that makes me like like be like this guy like really studies MMA. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Even Shayna, who is like presented in that same kind of vein her style is very much more WWE MMA. I would describe it as like yeah, yeah there's some moments where like you could see like the inspiration, but like uh her uh elbow like stomp, like that's very WWE focused. Uh, some of the submissions she has very WWE focused. Whereas like Kyle's offense is entirely I'm going to do weird shit because this is what it looks like in uh in UFC. Yeah. Uh, And the only other person I can compare that that style to is maybe Ronda. But even Ronda is like the Piper's pit is just another WWE move. Like she's more of a WWE MMA person than like former MMA person.
0: Yeah, which is weird to say, because like I I get what you're saying and I and I don't I, I I I agree to an extent, it's,
1: it's hard to describe as someone that's not really as versed with the the mixed martial arts. Yeah, like,
0: but like, whereas Ronda and Shayna were like actual legit MMA fighters, and Kyle isn't. You know, mm-hmm. like Kyle, I think like trains, but he's never competed. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I just like Kyle does a lot of specific things as someone who is like a big MMA fan and like has watched a lot of it. He does a lot of specific things, and it like that really are like like, you get, you know what I mean, like, as an MMA fan, and, like, that you don't necessarily see a lot of in WWE, or, like, in pro wrestling, and does stuff in, like, a unique way, and sets things up in a unique way, he just has a very cool moveset, and, you know, like, you know, Bobby Fish gets shit on a lot, um, (laughs) and he gets, and he's, you know, but, for better, for worse, but, you know, he's 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 a good worker, too, man. He's a good worker too. very
1: like there's never been a Bobby Fish match where I'm like, oh, that was botched. Oh, that looked wrong.
0: That did not look smooth. Like Bobby Fish is just like,
1: again, just smooth.
0: Yeah, Bobby Fish. Yeah, he gets clowned on some, but he, he can fucking go. You know what I mean? He can absolutely go. And I, I've always loved watching the Red Dragon together. They have like every time I watch them, re- watch them, I see like a bunch of shit that I want to steal, you know, because they just are very creative with the way they set up their offense and the way they do double teams. And like it's it's very fun to watch when they're rolling. And I mean, you know, the they mix very well with the profits who so, like they really the profits really developed their own style and their own unique shit. Like highlight reel style. It's what they talk about. It's, it's what people talk about, like, do all your moves in a way that, like, like every, every fucking trainer or veteran will tell you, if you're a pro wrestler, like, find a way to do stuff in a way that is your own. I feel like the profits, like, everything that both of those guys do, they do it in a way, like, a, like it, both, both Montez and Angelo Dawkins, they do all their shit in a way that's unique to them. Mm-hmm. And it's very entertaining. They really just... They they have come into their own as a really 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 fucking top tag team. Like they're really really good. Uh, fucking love the Street Profits. It's a pro Street Profits podcast. Profits are up, David. So next up, and they got we want the smoke over. We love it, man. We love that shit. We love we love Montez. Montez was great in the Elimination Chamber. I he, he, oh, I'm God. so glad he got that spot to show himself off as a, as a, as a singles talent. He was so great. Fuck, man, that was cool. So next up, women's match between two great talents here, uh, Candice LeRae. We have Johnny Gargano in the main event, but then we have his wife, Candice LeRae, as well in a big match of her own against Io Shirai, who had just turned heel on her not that long before. This may have been – was this the first time that Io Shirai did the cool heel entrance?
1: Yes. This is the. I think this is the first, like, full heel Io Shirai entrance, which I- –
0: I, yeah Bags, theme I bangs theme bangs seeing this entrance for the first time and i was like yo eo got cool as
1: fuck what
0: <laughs> and they couldn't keep her heel <laughs> yeah. it was like yeah yeah sh- <laughs> she's gonna get over as a babyface real quick with that shit dude. L-
1: literally becky lynch the herself
0: uh so uh, yeah it's like damn this bitch is cool um <laughs> uh, this match is very fast paced a lot of great moves very entertaining um, between two women who are vets who have been doing it at a high level for a long time and have a ton of experience and are really athletic. Um, so Candice comes right after her um, at the start of this match, and they go back and forth, a lot of reversals. Eventually, um, EO suplexes her onto the announce table. They tease a count out very early. Uh, Candice is able to get into the ring at nine and EO beats her up for a while. Um, EO, who is a fan, just an incredible athlete, one of the best high flyers in the world for a long time, man or woman. She has this really cool spot where, um, Candice does a, like, tries to do like a head scissors takedown on her and she like EO then like hand springs out of it and lands on her feet and then drop kicks her. Like it's this big drop kick uh eo hits an air raid crash for a near fall uh she goes for a missile drop kick misses that sets up candace gets her a comeback uh hits a big brain buster for a near fall she does a really cool head scissors into an octopus hold eo gets to the rope um eo then drop toe holds her. goes for a 619 candace blocks it drags her out into a rope hanging neck breaker for a near fall they go up the turnbuckles. Uh, EO hits a dropkick off the middle buckle and then hits a 619 to the back. Um, and then Candice ends up pushing her off the apron, hits a suicide dive into a tornado DDT. They get, Gets her back into the ring, hits a double stomp to the back off the top rope for a near fall. Just back and forth really cool moves from both these ladies. Um, we get all the – we uh, get – German suplex is traded back and forth. Then uh, Candice tries to do a springboard uh, – or like a like, – yeah, like a springboard, like back elbow. EO catches her into a just picture-perfect gorgeous bridging German suplex for a near fall. Uh, she hits a running meteora to in the corner, flips out of a German suplex in the corner – she goes for something out of a fireman's carry, but then Candace turns it around into a poison rana for a two count.
1: Can we talk about how like minorly insane that was? Like in retrospect, is just like how she's able to like, get up on Eo's shoulders and then hit that rana. Like,
0: yeah, that, like completely flips over. That was really cool. Um, Candice, yeah. Then Candace hits a middle rope swinging neck breaker for a near fall. Coming to the end of this match, uh, they go back up top. EO hits a top rope Spanish fly. For a uh, huge false finish, she kicks out. EO can't believe it. They do like a long close up on EO on after she like cannot believe that he kicked out. We get Mama Mia chance from the crowd uh, to shout out Mauro Ronaldo. Um, and then the finish of this match comes EO hits a double underhook picks her up into a backbreaker, hits a moonsault, and then puts her into this weird kind of, like, reverse Koji clutch finisher, like, submission. And Candice passes out in the submission, and Io Shirai wins in an even 15 minutes. Really fucking hot. Like, this is, like, a, a real, like, if you ever watch, like, Stardom, or, like, the really good Joshi wrestling, where they're, like, You watch these women just going fucking at it like big spot, big spot, big spot at a high pace for like a long time. And everything looks super crisp and clean and it's incredibly exciting. Like that's what Io Shirai came up in. And this is the kind of match that she was having. And here in Candice LeRae, she has someone that can match her, you know, and work that fucking pace and work that style. And you get a great match.
1: Yeah. uh, And David, by the way, really, I have to point this out. Not only is it a women's match without a title, C-W-W-E, it can be done. It can be done. CAW, uh, it can be done. <laughs> CAW, it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> um. But also, like forty, technically forty percent of this card is women's wrestling, and it was a fantastic card.
0: Yeah. Just, now, it's two. It's two out of five. It is the lowest. Uh, it's, it's the lowest integer you can get to and have it be 40 percent. Uh, but yes, true. <laughs> Uh, and
1: again, just like and both those matches are very good. Um, Candice is someone on the main roster who, again, is just like,
0: eh, I don't know. Um, but I like think I have ever figured out what they're doing with her on the main roster. Like, I can't really tell what her deal is.
1: No, neither can I. Oh. But I'll say this, though. I mean, even if I don't exactly know what her deal is, she plays baby face in peril so fucking well in every match she does. Yeah. Like she's the perfect hand to get a heel over. Just very good at that, uh, very great at bringing the intensity. I think the fact that like she can do a whole bunch of different styles, no matter what the opponent wants to kind of like ride with. In this case, like you said, the Joshi style. Yeah. Again, perfect dance partner.
0: Uh, yeah, right. Mar- I mean, she was she was perfect for Io.
1: But yeah, Io man, Io is one of my favorites. Like, uh, just insane kind of like charisma to her. A um, great move pool. Uh Morrow actually calls her the Joshi Judas, which is just a badass yeah. nickname.
0: Yeah, I I, I I thought about that. I, I noticed him say that and I was like, Yeah, that's a fucking banger nickname. I forgot it I forgot that he called her that. The
1: uh the Sunset flip powerbomb tease early too was very just like, Oh shit, they're going they're going to a hundred real fast. And they sold the hell, both uh Candice and the commentary team sold the hell out of that suplex on the table. Yeah. Um also, I, I don't know what about it, but the vibes of Eo here really scream L.I.J. Like it, there's some real Tetsuya Naito vibes coming from Eo.
0: Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you here. Um, also, Tiger fan kick. Very cool move. Yes. Uh, the six we one nine, but it is the Tiger, the Tiger faint kick. I believe it was a Tiger mask move. Originally? I, I imagine I- probably so. Yeah, I believe it was a Tiger Mask move, and that's why it was called the Tiger Feint Kick. Like, can't, I can't believe it's, it's a 619. Like can't, it's permanently renamed.
1: I can't believe Rey Mysterio stole the 619. How dare he? Stealing yeah. wrestling moves. Anyway, yeah, this was fun. And also, like, underrated moment is the Moonsault spot because the Moonsault is EO's finisher. And so when Candace kicks out, I'm like, holy shit, is EO Ca- uh, not going to win this match? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is is this one of those, oh, the, oh you know, this person isn't going to win now. And they just go right into a submission and that's the match. I'm just like, that's a beautiful finish.
0: Yeah, it's great. And EO has one of the greatest moonsaults in the world. But yeah, it just, it, it's, this is such a fun match to watch again because it is, it is EO who wrestled in stardom for years, getting to wrestle a stardom match, like a good stardom match in a, on a WWE pay-per-view, which is a, a nice treat. And again, like I said, I, I don't know if like you look at the NXT roster at the time. There are plenty of great women on the NXT roster at the time. I think Candice might have been the only one here who could have had this match with Io. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, and Io had good matches with plenty of different women, but like on on this roster. But like, I think that Candice was probably the only one who could have hung with her at this speed and had this match. Was Kyrie still on NXT at this time or had she already moved up? Um, that's actually a good question. I uh, obviously Kyrie could have uh, because Kyrie had the exact same uh, Spe- speaking yeah, of she was around. I guess she was around at this point, too. So I guess I guess fair enough. Uh, Kyrie as well. Speaking
1: of bag fumble WWE, Kyrie sane
0: or no, let, let me see. No, actually, no, uh, I'm wrong. Kyrie had been called up to the main roster. Kabuki right Warriors, now. right? He's doing the Kabuki Warriors gimmick with Asuka by this point. So, yeah, no, with with Kyrie gone. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the women's roster at this point at NXT, Candace is probably the only one who could really do this kind of match with mm-hmm. her. And it's so entertaining. It's so crisp. Everything fucking looks great. It doesn't slow down and the crowd is really into it. And it's just a fun fucking time, folks. So good. Yeah, I. I it's it's got like it's it's been so easy to forget about Candace on the in, in WWE, uh, because I feel like. The majority of the time she has been Johnny's wife, you know, like yeah. her role. And like they when they were doing the way gimmick, like they did it in a funny and entertaining way. Right.
1: They, they need to do the way again. I think that's good. That, that's what we're leading to.
0: But I feel like we haven't gotten that many chances to see how good of a wrestler she is. And she's a really good pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you talk about her doing the baby face in peril. Thing, she basically did that for 10 years straight at PWG. Where she was like the only like basically the only woman in the promotion, um, and was just getting her ass kicked constantly. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> like but like just having these great matches all the time with all these different guys. Um, so yeah, uh, next up, we have a triple threat for the North American title, but first, Matt Riddle gets in the ring. Uh, talk about guy like men on the roster who have done the best in NXT, like here, you know, like on the show, at least like riddle sure, but he's also not technically wrestling on the show. So kind of overlooked that. But yeah, like riddles, like one of the only guys coming. And, like,
1: and, he, and he's well, he he's also been really hit and miss too. like he again, the match he had with Roman was fantastic. Uh, Ray, uh, RK bro was fantastic, but outside.
0: I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of how over RK bro was because there was a, a there was a good stretch where they were the most overact on the main roster.
1: I agreed, like, But I'm just like outside of that, though, I'm like, man, there, there's just something missing there. There's like an, an, and Randy brought it and there's just something that we don't know with Riddle
0: yet. Yeah, I don't know. But like he's done pretty well. And it, you know what? So his priest, I'll say priest, it took a minute, too. But he mm-hmm. got next up, though. We've got like, yeah, like Matt Riddle is here. Oh, shit. He's angry. He's in a feud that I don't really remember, apparently, with Killian Dane. Uh, big Damo, formerly the huge, hairy Irish guy from the Sanity uh, stable.
1: I miss Killian Dane. I was a big oh, fan.
0: He's, he's so good. Fuck. Um, he wants to kick Killian Dane's ass. He says, Killian Dane, get your hairy ass out here and fight me. And Killian Dane comes out of the crowd. They brawl. They brought the ramp. Uh, Riddle hits him with a ripcord knee, hits him with the final flash knee. He beats up all the security jobbers. The uh, the guardians of the independent scene, as uh, Triple H once called them in the uh, feud with Batista. Um, and then uh, he beats up all these security jobbers. Then Killian Dane gives him a crossbody on the stage. Very rare that you'll see, like, a pull-apart brawl on a stage that has someone hitting a crossbody. Um, Dane beats up the rest of the security jobbers. And then Riddle jumps on his back, tries to put him in a sleeper. Dane rams him into the LED boards and then jumps off the ramp, like the stage through a pair of tables that were set up below for no apparent reason. Um, and for some reason, like grabs onto one of the security jobbers and drags this guy to hell too. As he flies (laughs) up. I don't know why they did that. Why they had to bring this third guy like, like, like he's about to jump off and then he just grabs this guy's shirt and pulls him with him. Like I'm taking this random fucking guy here with me to hell. Um, And of course, the crowd loves it. You know, the crowd is going to love every time someone goes to a table.
1: A great five minute segment that I I, I, if you have those on pay-per-views, I think those are rightfully a pay-per-view segment. Um,
0: But also, holy shit. After this, a literal baby faced Austin Theory. Yes, a a little baby boy, Austin Theory, who I believe had just been he he, he just been signed. Really? He was evolved champion. He was uh, he was evolved champion at the time, which was like owned by NXT at that, or was owned by WWE by that point. Um, Shout out, shout out Gabe Sapolsky. Um, But like he, he was like, like, like Evolve was like NXT's NXT. (laughs) And yeah, this was his, uh, he was shown on screen in the crowd. And then five days later, it was announced that he had officially signed with WWE. Uh, So next up, we've got this, Previously teased triple threat match that we were supposed to have a second ago. Um, now we're actually going to have it. It is an A&A, a North American title, triple threat match between the champion, Velveteen Dream, who gets this big fucking grandiose entrance, of course, where they start playing the old Mounty entrance theme from 1991. Shout out to uh, Jacques, Rouge, uh, Jacques Rougeau. Um, with the Toronto Raptors dance team dressed as the Mountie, the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Uh, shout out Danny Green, who was fucking draining threes that whole run. Good run. Then they take – they're, they're all dressed as the Mountie. Then they all take their Mountie gimmicks off and they, they all do a dance. And then the Dream comes out and he dances with them. He's wearing like a smaller kind of Mountie style hat. Um, and he dances his way, does his whole fucking gimmick entrance. Um, it was cool. Um, and then we have he's he's winning the titles against the challengers, Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong, who, of course, if you remember, uh, were former tag team partners in the in the Dusty Cup the one year. And then Pete or Roddy turned on Pete Dunn to join the Undisputed Era. That son of a bitch. I'd never forgiven him for that. The, uh, the Pete Dunn, Roderick Strong team is like my favorite thrown together tag team of all time because they were instantly amazing together. Just a perfect team. Just and utterly they, perfect. They had like three matches ever of them being this incredible fucking team. Uh, and then that was it. And then we never got to see them again. Um, they were just like naturally perfect together. Um, so, yeah, we do this match. Uh, at one point early on in the match, uh, Dream and Pete Dunn. You know, it's two baby faces and one heel. Um, and Dream and Pete, they take turns uh, beating Roddy up, um, and then we kind of just get like you know everybody gets their like kind of shine during this match. Um, Roddy has a spot where he kicks everyone's ass. I I, I laughed when um, Roddy pulls Dream into the uh, like ring post, crotches him on the ring post, and you hear yes. more oh, nothing but nuts.
1: Yes, very good call.
0: Cause he did the basketball. He had the basketball team. Cause they literally had the graphic that said like Toronto Raptors, 2019 NBA champions <laughs> on the Tron, uh, which was really funny. Uh, shout out Serge Baca. Um, yeah. I, so like, it's like, Oh, basketball, he did a basketball thing. Let's do a basketball joke. Um, but yeah, he, he kicks everyone's ass. He does a really cool, like he, Urinagis Pete onto dream. That was cool. Uh, dream, Does some Bret Hart shit. He does the Bret Hart-style diving elbow. Puts Roddy in the sharpshooter. Uh, Pete Dunn breaks it up with a diving double stomp. And then hits the uh, Orihara moonsault on the floor onto both guys. Hands out a bunch of suplexes. He hits a German on – he Germans Roddy onto Dream for a big near fall. We get a waterfall spot where they all hit a bunch of moves in a row. Dream hits the Dream Valley driver. Then Roddy hits the Olympic slam. Then Pete hits the X-Plex. All three of them are down. Uh, crowd's going crazy for it. We do this really funny spot off a turnbuckle. We're like, what I assume was supposed to happen was, so Roddy hits the Olympic slam. So like all three guys are up the top rope or like in the corner. Roddy hits his Olympic slam on Pete Dunn. And I think Pete was supposed to, I think it was supposed to be like a, some kind of like Like they stay connected like it's an Olympic slam sort of superplex type combo move here. But then Pete and Dream completely lose like their grip on each other as Pete takes this move. And then Dream ends up still on the top rope for like a second. And he's like, oh, shit, I was supposed to go over, too. So you see there's like a second pause and then he just leaps and just takes a flip bump off the top rope. He' just like, <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna jump and do a flip anyway, and land and just like do what I was supposed to do. Uh, it was really funny though. He just does it he does this flip bump off the top rope for no reason. Um, Roddy does the uh, fucking like he does another spot where he does like a triangle into a power bomb spot and into a backbreaker. But then Pete gets him back into the triangle. Roddy pushes him back into the corner and then dream breaks up the submission with a coast to coast flying elbow, which was really cool. Um, crowds never not going to pop for a coast to coast of any kind folks. Um, they're always going to love it. There's this, uh, funny spot that, uh, Roddy does like running back and forth, like drive by like running elbows, which was really funny. um, He Tiger Drivers Pete Dunn onto Dream, puts them in the double stronghold submission at the same time. Eventually, he's not able to hold it uh, anymore, and he lets it go. Uh, Coming towards the end of this match, we're getting some finishers here. Fucking, you know, they're they're teasing their finishers on each other. Pete does the double finger snap spot on both of uh, Dream and Roddy. He hits Roddy with the bitter end, his finisher, but Dream breaks it up. Dream is grabbing onto the ref, um, so he doesn't see the pit, and then he breaks it up. A bunch more cool shit. We get a cool spot with Pete and Roddy where Pete backflips out of a German suplex, kicks him in the face, but then Roddy rolls through into the stronghold submission. Dream tosses him out, hits Pete done with the Dream Valley driver, then Roddy gets in, throws him out. He hits Pete with his finisher, the end of heartache, but then Dream... Climbs up real quick, hits a diving elbow drop, and steals the pin. And Velveteen Dream wins the match and retains the title. 17 minutes and 54 seconds. Great match.
1: Very fun match. Um, mostly because, like, how different. All... Now, Dunn Strong, there's a lot of overlap. But Velveteen Dream is just the yeah, stall of them.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like you have you have guy who is, like, kind of serious badass wrestler. You have other guy who's, like, serious badass wrestler. And then you have Velveteen Dream. Who you know, which by is the all gimmick. All gimmick.
1: By the way and not to mention good worker. Like relatively good worker for all the charisma he again, I am so annoyed isn't a strong enough word, but I detest the fact that like he's such a fucking shithead and an idiot and a piece of shit person.
0: Oh yeah, he fucking sucks. Because
1: right. like a real fucking piece of shit. As a pure entertainment, as a wrestler standpoint, that guy was going to the moon. utter utter main eventer just oozed charisma uh which i haven't been saying a lot of but velveteen is the literal uh uh, uh, personification of oozing charisma and just he know he knew how to present himself in all aspects of pro wrestling every time he was out there his entrances his mannerisms just utterly spot on Even like the flip bump from the top rope when it was botched. It's like, well, uh, this still is a character. I'm going to do it anyway. Just perfect shit. Um, God damn it, Velveteen. But anyway, like Roddy and Pete are also very fantastic in this match. Uh, Every time Pete pulls out the bitter end, I'm always impressed because he is a smaller dude. But I don't think I've ever seen him mess it up once to anyone. It always looks so fucking smooth each time he does it.
0: It's a very crisp move, folks. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, cool. Looks great. And, and again, you mentioned the nut shot, like
1: the Velveteen getting out of the bitter end, just kind of doing his crawl backwards and just getting pulled back into the post. Fantastical spot. Um, just a lot of solid wrestling. Uh, I need more Roddy on AEW, though. He had like those solid two weeks and then kind of disappeared.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I You'll never catch me not asking for Roddy. I, I, I know that Roddy, Roddy's, uh, you know, the, the old story with him is that his potential has always been limited by the fact that he is not a talker. You know, he's just not one of those guys that ever really got seemingly super comfortable doing promos or getting himself over that way. But my God, brother, he goes, he, that guy in the ring, bell to bell, is as good of a pro wrestler as I have ever seen. Just like pure bell to bell. He is a machine. He is a fucking machine in the ring. He is awesome.
1: And then you have the double uh, stronghold, which is just like very corny wrestling move to do the double submission that way. And it didn't always, didn't look that great, but just the, you kind of put it in the theater of the mind. It's like, oh, he's doing his finisher to both these guys. And the fact that he was even able to kind of make it look half good is impressive the coast to coast elbow again dream clears that easy he cleared it he made it look so easy Dream got some air on that shit man uh the stop the stop by the curb stop by done too. just like not a move you see a lot but a move that
0: just looks positively brutal for yeah. a non-finisher that was the old like super dragon style stomp yeah uh, i don't see a lot of people doing that nowadays yoda suji does a similar one now and it's really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I always pop for that one because it looks brutal.
1: And and then, you know, just a chaos finish where Velveteen Dream just ekes out
0: the win. Fantastic 15 minute match. Loved it. Yeah. Like just an edge of your seat deal. You know, it's an edge of your seat. Guys hitting big moves back and forth. Guys fucking, you know, doing all their cool shit. It's just really, really entertaining. And I loved it. I, I had a great time. You know, again, Roddy is a machine in the ring from bell to bell. He just is always on point, as, as good of a wrestler as ever, even today. I mean, he just has not lost a step at all. But yeah, Pete, I love watching him. His everything he does, he does a lot of stuff that's very unique to him. And then, yeah, you know, the the the, the pure charisma of Velveteen. Velveteen became a guy that like, I don't know if you would put him up. I mean, you wouldn't put him up there with Pete Dunne or or Roddy in the ring. But he was a guy that had charisma to spare, had a good sense of his gimmick, and was a good athlete who could do very impressive things. And when you add that in to a match like this, it really, you got a fucking sauce going. It's very good. You got a fucking stew going, folks. Very fun match. Next up, we've we've had three exciting fast-paced matches. This one's going to be a lot slower and more technical. It is a women's title match between the dominant... MMA champion Shayna Baszler defending against Mia Yim. Mia Yim has does this entrance where she has like all these dudes wearing bandanas. They kind of look like a like a gang coming out with her. Which, listen, far be it for me to 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 talk shit about Mia Yim or, or say anything about her because I think she's really good. She's a, she's achieved a lot in pro wrestling. But she went to high school with my older sister. <laughs> uh, she's from Vienna, Virginia, folks. I uh, she was a she's probably the most famous former. Uh, this is this is something that will only pop you and me and like o- like people that we in our specific friend group, probably the most famous uh, former Marymount University volleyball player. Folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like. I know where you're from, dude. You're not in a fucking biker gang. Let's be real here. You're from fucking Vienna, Virginia. You're from like one of the richest areas in the country. Can I, I be honest, I went though? To same, went to the same high school as my older sister. Like at the same time. Can
1: I be honest, though? I love this gimmick for her. I like I, I enjoy her with uh like the O.C. because it's kind of like she is like a badass kind of role. But like, I don't know, this gimmick, this version of Yim always felt real. Even though, like, again, what you said is true.
0: No, I I, I know. I And I'm not saying that she like. I think it's, I think she's cool. You know what I mean? Like she walks out and you're like, oh, she's cool. But like, just for me specifically, like being from the exact same place that she's from and like knowing like, yeah, she literally went to high school at the same time, the same high school as my older sister at the same time. Like, uh, I don't know if they knew each other, probably not, but they were there at the same time. Um, it's like, yeah, like. Takes no, you out of it? You're not like a cool biker gang person or like like cool like street gang person. Like you're from the fucking like the the suburbs of suburbs, folks. Anyway, but she's good. You know, she's cool. I like Mia. Yim. I, I don't want to like talk shit about Mia. Yim. I don't want to be like come off and talk shit about Mia Yim because she is cool. But I don't know that. Like I don't know that that that's like a thing that's like specific to me. I'm just like I see her. I was like, you went to Madison, dude. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Anyway. So, but yeah, she. You know, whatever. She does that. You know, we have so we have Mia, Yim, and Shayna Baszler. This is a much slower, more technical match, as we said. Shayna is someone that is a MMA fighter; is not going to wrestle a fast-paced style. Um, Mia gets her you know, good shine at the beginning. It's a Hurricane Rana, big boot, cannonball senton in the corner. Does some stare stuff on uh, Shayna's arm. This is going to be a big part of the match. Shayna, her finisher is a choke, the Kirafoooda Clutch. Uh, Mia trying to take that away by working the arm. Eventually, Shayna cuts her off. It's a slower match and the crowd really isn't into it. Shayna does a good job keeping me personally invo- like interested in it because of like the way Shayna is like getting heat like like Shayna getting heat while still selling the arm and like 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 did a really good job of that and like like specific spots where like you have like hope spots for Mia where she's like almost like taking control of the match and then like Shayna will like, have to hit her with a big clothesline to cut her down but it's like oh you can't get too many of those you know like like don't have too many of those left in you that that hurt you too you know um Mia who's the babyface, keeps grabbing the hair and poking the eyes and doing like cheap heel shit too which what I always say is you can do heel shit to a heel and it's fine because they're heels but also it's a little weird to see, like, Mia, who's the baby face, like, just continually pulling the hair and poking the eyes, like, 50 times in a row during the heat here. The
1: Hoganism of it
0: all. A little hogan here. Yeah, a little hogan Um, Mia gets her comeback. They do this one really awkward spot where, like, somebody – for like, the one where, like, she hits the ropes and, like, Shayna shadows her and then they kind of, like, run into each other. Uh, I don't know what the fuck was supposed to happen there, but somebody forgot something. It got really weird. For a second. And then they like run this spot again. And then it's like. I don't know if like me, I think Mia was supposed to like whip her off. And then like Shayna was but like do a pass by. And Shayna hits the ropes or something. But they just forgot what was supposed to happen. Or they got something confused. Very awkward spot here. But then they run it. And then Mia hits an overhead belly to belly. Toss her out of the ring. Suicide dive. Steps back into the ring with the tornado DDT for near fall. She hits her in the Tajiri tarantula hold for a second. Uh, always over with me. Uh, she goes up to the top. Shayna follows her up. Mia ends up hitting a top rope code red for a near fall. Big pop. Uh, Mia hits the ropes. Shayna's able to catch her into the of clutch choke. Doesn't have the strength to keep it on. Mia escapes. Stomps on the injured arm. Puts her back. Puts her into an arm bar. But Shayna escapes. Gets her back into the choke. Mia escapes again. So Shayna counters by putting her into a very tight head scissors. And Mia taps out, and Shayna retains the title 14 minutes, 34 seconds. A match that I think is better than people give it credit for. Uh, definitely, like, the, like, least hot match of the show. And, like, probably suffers in comparison because, it like, the rest of them are so fast-paced and exciting. But I thought very good storytelling in this match. And they made the arm thing matter, which is something I talk about all the time.
1: I very much agree on that because it was... It was kind of in a way Shayna facing a someone that knew her so well and could play her game in a way that Shayna's not really had a face before. Usually she was facing someone that you know relied on athleticism or relied on some other neat trick. Whereas Mia Yim, while not an MMA fighter in terms of like the gimmick, but like her, her gimmick was like she was a street punk more or less, and she was a street fighter kind of. Kind of thing. And it's like Mia knows those tricks and she's willing to play dirty to step to someone that is more of a traditional fighter than herself. Yeah. So, so I enjoy the fact that you tell the story of Mia taking out the cronies so they can't interfere in this match. It does kind of set Mia up. However, like the finish though, I didn't really like the finish just because it's like, okay, cool. So there's this leg sleeper now that isn't. Uh, Shayna's move that is going to get get her the win over Mia. I, I always feel weird about whenever a non-finisher ends the match for somebody, especially in a clean fashion. I get why Shayna had to adjust, and it's a smart adjustment uh, throughout the story of the match I tell. But it's always weird when it comes to, like, protecting people.
0: I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it's fine. It, you know, it, it doesn't bother me with someone like Shayna who is a, you know, like like something like this, for example, right? Where it's like, she can't get her preferred submission because she is uh you know her her arm is weakened so she counters out of it into a different submission and finishes her i mean Shayna Baszler was like a, a like a great like legit shoot grappler like that's what yeah. she's like really good at you know what i mean like she uh like a professional mma fighter like something like 90 percent of her professional wins were by submission. If you look at her record, she has a bunch of different fucking submissions that she's won actual fights with. So, like, that, I mean, that's her. That's, you know, as an MMA fighter, most MMA fighters, if you're good at submissions, you're not going to win the same. You're not going yeah. to fight with the same submission. You know, people will do different stuff. Right. So, like, Shayna would be a pretty shitty MMA fighter if she only knew one submission. You know, very fair. Makes a lot of sense. Very right? fair. I, I have no issue with it. I like the story that they told.
1: Oh, I love the story that they told it was, I again, I love this match. The only criticism I really have with it's the same criticism I kind of have with all of Shayna matches, even though I, I, I do love Shayna is that they can be a little bit slow because it's a lot of milk in the heat kind of
0: uh, heel stuff with her. Yeah, I what? mean, it, it's her methodically fucking beating someone up and wearing them down and doing submissions. And, you know, that's 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 her style, right? Yeah. I you can you can like there are gonna be people that like it and people that don't like it. I think honestly, Shayna matches a lot of the time, like don't really click with me, but this is one that I did like.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the top rope co- uh, code, code blue was just holy shit. What a move.. Cool. Uh, fu- again, fun match, great story. both pe- people do look pretty good. I- again, I had some questions about the speed of the match and then the finish, but that's kind of like just very nitpicky stuff, otherwise, i I, I- again, love the story they told loved it loved the presentation
0: yeah i thought it was i thought it was a again like it it took it a while to really kind of catch on with the crowd i feel like Uh, also
1: Uh, also tap nap snap fantastic tagline
0: yeah but like it 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 felt like it took them a minute but i feel like they got there you know what i mean i feel like they got there and i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot at, at towards the end like it it, it took a minute to build up but there ends up being some cool spots in it and i like the way they worked the uh the the submission story so that'll bring us to our main events it is the reason for the fucking season here folks get your water ready take a deep breath david because this is a long one (laughs) it is main event time yeah I, i think we might have to like break after each fall here because this is a this is a long match, folks. very long match. Um, it is Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, NXT championship match. The two men who defined NXT in a three stages of hell match for Adam Cole's NXT title. Each match will be a different stipulation. The first one. A singles match, regular old singles match. The second one, a no DQ street fight. And then the third match will be a steel cage match with a bunch of barbed wire and weapons and shit all over the cage. Um, we got Johnny coming out. Johnny actually gets some introduce. Er, I combined the uh, the words introduce and booze. Intra booze. Intra booze. He gets – Johnny actually gets some boos when he's introduced Is you know, the, the super baby babyface of NXT. He does get a little bit of booing. Wait, intro boos? I thought that's what Sandman did. Ah, yeah. Win or lose, we oh. intro boos, folks. Yeah, true. Johnny gets some boos when he's introduced. Adam Cole, the heel, getting cheers and chants at the beginning of this match. Gargano coming out. Remember when Johnny used to have, like, different, like, comic book-themed gear – Every uh, show or every big show, basically, he's got uh, Wolverine themed gear uh, this time around on TakeOver and we get a really good singles match. I mean, they could have just given us this like singles match with a different finish, of course, Um, and I would have been happy with this main event. It's very, you know, it's it's fast paced, it's very fun. Um, Johnny goes after the knee work, a bunch of submissions early. We get a sequence that uh, ends with Cole hitting a wheelbarrow German into the apron and he gets some heat for a while. Um, These guys, there's throughout this match, but especially in this first part um, where it's just straight up wrestling, a lot of very intricate sequences here um, that it's just like you can tell these guys have been working together frequently for a long time and they know each other super well and they know each other's timing Um, very very well it's like every single spot they get to there's a bunch of different reversals there's a lot of different shit happening in between that's keeps you engaged with what's going on it's very very entertaining Um, yeah Johnny uh, hits an overhead belly to belly in the corner goes for the slingshot spear Cole catches it but then Johnny turns it into a fish what looked like a fisherman Falcon arrow type move little bit yeah um, I took a falcon Arrow the other day where the guy dropped me right directly on his fucking knee or like right on his leg inadvertently. Mm. And, uh, it was like knee to sternum and it hurt really bad or knee knee to tailbone rather and it hurt really fucking bad. Um, so, uh, he gets, uh, Johnny or Johnny gets Cole in a figure four, but, uh, Johnny is able or Cole is able to escape. Cole hits another big wheelbarrow German. He goes for the Panama Sunrise, but Gargano catches him and stuffs him with the Omori driver for a uh, big near fall. Um, there's a cool spot where Johnny comes off the top of the crossbody, but Cole catches him out of midair air where the code breaker, hits a Michinoku driver Right afterwards. Um, Johnny goes for a dive, uh, and Cole kicks him in the head. He goes for another wheelbarrow onto the apron, but Johnny drives him forward into the guardrail. Back in the ring, hits the one final beat DDT, but... Cole kicks out, goes for another slingshot spear, gets intercepted with a super kick. Cole hits the Ushigaroshi neckbreaker for another big near fall. Then the uh, end of this fall comes. Cole goes out and gets a chair, brings it into the ring. He's arguing with the referee. And then as the referee turns around to get uh, get rid of the chair, classic heel technique, as the referee turns around, the chair was a diversion. Cole punts Johnny Gargano in the nutsack. He goes for the pin, but Johnny kicks out. Then Johnny gets back up on Cole, hits a super kick and he grabs the chair. And you know what he said? He says, you know what? Fuck this. And he starts wailing away at Adam Cole with the chair. So Johnny Gargano, this is always a, a very, I feel like every single time I see, like, I'm, this is not the first time I've seen someone do this in a two out of three falls match. I feel like the guy who does this always loses. <laughs> or you Intentionally give away the first fall. To, uh, you know, have an advantage in the second match advantage in the second fall. It's like you don't have any other falls to get rid of, dude. You need to, like, be on point here. I feel like you always end up losing that fall.
1: Yeah. What's the advanced analytics on that? Uh, oh, man. So, I mean, first off, R.I.P. Rebel Heart, gone but not forgotten. Yeah. Fantastic theme. Uh, it, again, just insane how over Adam Cole was at this time. Just Nuclear.
0: He's the cool heel folks. Coolest heel. Every single, every single one of us in pro wrestling, we all aspire to one day be a cool heel.
1: (laughs) That's how you know you made it. Um, I do love the, this like early match because it's all counterplay. It's all like they're looking out for each other's moves. They're doing do- their dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodging. Uh, just a really good back and forth between these two. Like you said, they've been wrestling for a long time at this point. They know each other inside and out. Very good. The wheelbarrow suplex on the apron, positively brutal. Um, also, another small move that I really do enjoy, just uh, Johnny's rolling uh, head kick. The roll through
0: yeah, head kick, like rolls, rolls you through on the, like he does, like a schoolboy rolls you through and then like rolls with you and kicks you. Yeah, kicks you in the head. Very cool spot. Oh, but that low it's blow. A complete, it's a, it's a complete. It's one of those moves that's all leg slap. Because you <laughs> actually, kick the guy hard at all doing that. So it's no. all leg slap. It's so fun. It's great, but that
1: that nut shot, man. That might have been a top five low blow, uh, low blow moment because like he he punted the shit out of Johnny he threw that fucking
0: <laughs> foot into his ball sack.
1: Oh, my God. I, I don't want to even ask how that felt. Uh, but like, again, I get the logic of Johnny being like, you know what? Fuck this shit. If he's going to cheat during the singles match anyway, I might as well just get it to where I'm more comfortable. I get that. But again, the thought of just giving up the first fall because you want to beat this shit out of them. I feel like it's better for a heel than a babyface. face.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I agree. I do agree. Definitely. I feel like that is like. So the most recent time I saw someone do this was actually this is a um, R.I.P. Jay Briscoe, the final ever Briscoe Brothers match before Jay Briscoe's untimely passing. The one with FTR? No. After the FTR. Oh, shit. They did an indie match at House of Glory in New York against the tag team up there called The Main Event, who's like their, they do like a kind of like circus-type gimmick where like one of them's like a lion and one of them's a lion tamer, like a circus lion tamer. They're really, really good if you haven't gotten the chance to see them on the indies. Um, But anyway, like their last match was a uh, two-out-of-three falls match with these guys like a few weeks before Jay died. And it was a two-out-of-three falls match where they did this same gimmick. Uh, where but like like the Briscoes were working heel in this match and it was like Jay like grabbed the chair and beat the shit out of them with the chair and threw away the first fall and then beat the shit out of them with a the chair and then immediately took the second fall with it and then like had the advantage going into the third fall and that's how generally like you will see this happening when you do this kind of spot in a two out of three falls match it'll be the heel being like yeah I'll throw away this first fall but I'll beat this guy to a fucking pulp and then immediately get that fall back. And then when we go into the third fall, I'm gonna have the advantage because I just beat the shit out of him with a chair, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how you usually see it. It's very rare that you see a baby face do it. I agree. And I, I I'm with you. I I don't like the baby face doing it. It just does not like It doesn't sit right. And you know, like, you know, eventually they're they're you know, it it in this situation, like Cole is moreover, as a babyface here. And uh, like, like he's getting more babyface style reactions from most of the crowd anyway. Um, and I feel like you see Johnny at certain points in this match lean into it a little more. Um, like kind of realize it and lean into it a little more. But Johnny is still kind of like the babyface heart and soul of NXT here.
1: That was my only issue with this feud the entire time was that Johnny just wasn't he, – he struggled to keep the baby face heat because he was going against Cole. And that's nothing against Johnny. That's nothing against NXT. It's nothing against Cole. It's just it, – it, it caused the notes that they were trying to hit, which would make sense in a vacuum if everything was being played straight up, would hit a lot better. But because the crowd kind of got – well, say I want to say smarky, but I don't think it was even that. It was just like Adam Cole was just that good.
0: He was that good. People loved Cole. Um, the Undisputed Era had been around so long and it had so many good matches and it had been so many, so entertaining for so yeah. long. People were just like, yeah, we like these guys.
1: They kept them heal for, it's like they kept them heal for too long.
0: They kept them heel too long. They absolutely <laughs> kept them healed too long.
1: Uh, and that, that's the real kind of like only failure to this is just like you start to like the story beats just missed in a way that would not have existed if they had done this match. Under different circumstances, not yeah. that not to say like I get enthralled throughout the side of the match. The so barbed wire. When we get to fall three, I forget all about that stuff. I'm just like, holy shit, these guys are putting on a classic. I don't care about the rest. But yeah. when you're looking at like the overarching thing, that does stand out.
0: I do want to talk about how we mentioned that the chemistry between these guys, how how intricate their their work is, is like, you know, you talk about them having a lot of experience together. They had had. Over 20 recorded matches against one another by the time that they had wrestled this match, including some long ones. I mean, multiple, like, long title matches in NXT. Didn't they do an Iron Man match? They did. They did a couple two out of three falls matches. They did, I don't believe they ever. Oh, yeah. They did the Iron Man four-way. A year later, they did a four-way Iron Man match with... Uh, Champa and Baylor, Chapa, right? right? Finn Balor. Um, but... Yeah, including a, a – they ha- there was a house show run where it was Undisputed Era, like on uh, just like NXT house shows in 2018. They did a few of these where it was Undisputed Era versus Johnny Gargano and Heavy Machinery. Oh,
1: good lord.
0: Which is a goaded tag team. Um, and their first ever recorded match, July of 2010, at an evolved show in Union City, New Jersey, in front of a circa uh, 150 fans, a show that had Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano – Brody Lee versus John Moxley. What? And main event Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish.
1: Okay, we need that's that's uh, that's episode one twenty. I'm I'm booking that right now.
0: If I can find that on the internet anywhere. Yeah, there's some hey, Mercedes Martinez is on this. Ricochet's on this show. That fucking, sounds loaded. Yeah, there's a lot of people. We got Chuck Taylor on this show. Yeah, early early evolved shows. They had some fucking guys on them. Um, so yeah. We then go into the second fall. So it is Adam Cole up 1-0, but Johnny Gargano has the advantage um, after doing the very heel move as a babyface. Um, and we end up brawling into the crowd. This is now the no-DQ spot. Johnny hits him with a chair a bunch of times. We brawl into the crowd. Um, and Johnny's just beating his ass really all the way through. Johnny is pretty much up this entire fall. There's like a couple spots where like Cole fights back, but then Johnny always cuts him off right away. Um, Yeah, they fight into the crowd. Johnny does like an axe handle off the stairs at one point, Um, throws him into a bunch of stuff. Um, There's a spot where uh, Johnny like jumps off of. So Johnny does the axe handle off the stairs and then takes a selfie with a fan. Big, you know, big pop. Um, Johnny puts him on a rolling chair and then rolls the chair into a table, (laughs) uh, which was funny. Um, then he dives off of, as we work our way back to the ring, he dives off of what looks like one of those big rolling cases that they have and like kind of spears him through the barricade. The barricade like falls over. Um, Johnny sets up the announce table, teases a suplex. He ends up back body dropping Cole off of one announce table through the adjacent table. Mama Mia chance. Johnny gets a couple tables out from under the ring. We get Johnny tables chance from the crowd. Um, just throwing a bunch of shit into the ring so they don't have to leave the cage to go get it once the cage comes down. Um, We get a little back and forth. Cole hits a Shining Wizard and an Ushigaroshi onto the chair, but Johnny kicks out. And then Johnny ends up hitting the lawn dart into the chair, set up in the corner in between, like wedged in between the buckles, and then locks in the Gargano escape submission, and Cole taps out. And we are even.
1: Yeah, this was a... Uh... Johnny really did have a lot of control here because I don't have too many notes for this segment. It was just a lot. Again, we we had a really good street fight or hardcore match last week. Uh, But this this was still like a fun beatdown fest where like Johnny just whoops some ass. It was very entertaining. Um, Again, I love that lawn dart that he does. It just looks devastating every time. And then I love the small note as well as Adam Cole tapping out quickly in this case because it's like, hey. Yeah, you, you, you ha- you're you you're operating from an advantage. You know, you have the advantage because you already have that fall. So yeah. tap out quickly. So you're not in rough shape for this last match.
0: Yeah, if you're not, if you're in the submission and it's going to take you a lot of effort to get out of the submission, you've already got it. You've got another fall, you know, like you could just fucking tap out quickly and just get out of there, you know? Um, so yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense for him to tap out quickly. I agree. That is a, that is a, that is a small note that I enjoy here, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, they they get the crowd involved. Crowd's always going to pop for having, you know, the fucking wrestlers right there fighting, you know, crowd, crowd's always going to enjoy that. Um, and you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's not a whole lot to this one. There's a couple funny spots. Um, but we're setting up for the real shit here, which is it's time for the like, the, the the cage to come down we got all the weapons and we got all the big fucking moves you know all the really big shit all the big fucking you know uh, it's time for folks we're about to see 45 panama sunrises in a row <laughs> uh, so so yeah we get the cage the, the cage comes down it's a barbed wire cage we got barbed wire at the top there's weapons stuck all around the cage uh the crowd sees this and immediately starts chanting ec dub uh, ring announcer Alicia Taylor, I believe she's the same one who is still the ring announcer today in NXT. She announces that there is no escape from the cage. You can only win by pinfall or submission. W decision. And we get a, uh, a very hot start to this third fall. We get all these great strikes back and forth. All these kendo stick stick spots back and forth. We get a double super kick. That uh, wipes both guys out. Fans get on their feet. And here's it's time for fucking spot, 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 spot big, spot, big spot, big spot, big spot. That's this whole match. It's like, you know, fucking Fast and the Furious type, just blockbuster type action. You know, they're jumping their car off the fucking, you know, International Space Station type shit. Um, we get Johnny does a top rope Frankensteiner then into a poison Rana into a big super kick. Uh, Cole does a backstabber with Kendo, with a Kendo stick around Johnny, uh, Gargano's throat. Johnny hits him with a fire extinguisher, hits a tornado DDT onto a chair. Johnny hits a sunset flip powerbomb off the cage, then goes back up, uh, gets the sledgehammer down. There's a sledgehammer like wedged into the top of the cage. We're going to use this one a little bit later. Cole hits him with 40 super kicks consecutively. Uh, there's a cool spot where Cole, like, has a ladder at the top of the cage or like on the top of the buckle and like throws the ladder at Johnny, Johnny ducks and then stands up right into a Panama sunrise, which it was like, I I read that as like Cole fucking baiting him into ducking. So he could like, he knew he wasn't going to hit him with the ladder. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to see which way you duck first. And then I'm going to meet you there with the Panama sunrise. I thought that was really cool. Um, he hits, um, you know, everyone's kicking out of everything. Cole hits another Panama Sunrise off the ladder, but Johnny kicks out. Um, Cole goes for the last shot knee on a chair. Johnny gets out of the way. Um, he puts in the Gargano escape with a kendo stick around his face, but uh, Cole bites his hand to get out of the submission. Johnny then gets the sledgehammer, hits him in the ribs with the sledgehammer. Cole sells this one fucking dead. Like he is like rolling around like he's about to like he's shitting blood. Um, Johnny sets up two tables and a ladder. uh, But Cole's able to roll away from whatever he was going to do. Cole then hits or Johnny, I believe it was, hit a Canadian destroyer off the top rope. Again, another kick out. Um, Johnny opens a bag that has a bunch of shit in it. It's not – normally you would think it, it's, uh, you know, the – whenever you're opening a bag, a cloth bag in a, in a ring in – a, in a match like this, you're like, oh, thumbtacks? It's not thumbtacks. Broken glass. Of, it's a bunch of like nuts and bolts and like tools and shit. Um, he takes out a pair of pliers, climbs up to the top, uses the pliers to cut off a stretch of barbed wire. Um, he's like basically coming after Cole with this barbed wire. Cole climbs up the cage. There's like this big metal platform over one of the corners in the cage that like, you know, is literally just there for them to stand on. It's not it's not like a weapon. It's not like it's a table or a door or anything up there. It's just this big metal platform that is like there. Johnny climbs up after him. They're standing and fighting on top of this corner platform. Um, The crowd is chanting, please don't die. And they're punching each other, and eventually they dramatically both fall off the top of this uh, big platform at the top of the cage. They go through one of the tables. They miss the second table. They go through one table. They plunge through, they land, and then Cole ends up rolling over him, and he gets the pin off of this collapse through the table. Roughly 51 minutes of action, Adam Cole has retained the championship. And the undisputed era celebrates together. What, like,
1: even just the f- third fall? What a fucking match they had! Holy shit, it's it's a lot, man. It's, it's so a- much. Um, I, so much, dude. Uh, also, I do love the fact like neither of them knew that that was gonna be. Th- neither of them knew. I'm using in air quotes here. Um, knew that this was gonna be the final step. Uh, I love the fact that this was a regal reveal uh at the time like no one said anything they just start dropping the cage down with a perfect reveal of the weapons and the barbed wire beautiful moment um they start off with those haymakers just you know they're trying to hammer the hell out of each other my only criticism for this uh, the segment is that sledgehammer man it is so obvious when johnny picks that up it is a gimmick (laughs) sledgehammer (laughs) like triple h would always sell the hell out of the head top being super heavy yeah, and, and Johnny's just winging this around willy nilly like it's a kendo stick. <laughs> around like, dude, come
0: on, man, that thing is like plastic, dude.
1: Yeah, it was. That was the only thing that was tough. But you know, Cole sold the hell out of that body shot. Nigel McGuinness was selling the hell out of it from commentary. Um, I love the backstabber with the kendo stick too. Just I love when people get creative with the kendo stick. Just the backstabber, the Greg Gano, uh Gano, escape. Yeah, can't say that five times fast. And then like the finish one, whenever you start getting please don't die chance, you know, you're going to get something absolutely insane. And then they literally just both jumped off the top of the cage to take a 20 foot back bump.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's it's crazy. It's honestly um, it loses me a little bit. The finish so much big move, kick out, big move, kick out, kick out that like. It's just you know like and 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 I, I I like watching big moves, but it's almost too much for me. Like I remember watching this and just like I, I enjoy the match, but it's very much like a um like a it's like it's less of an Oscar-winning movie and more of a like Michael Bay blockbuster where it's like you're chopping on your popcorn and you're watching a bunch of explosions and you're having a good time and then afterwards you're like. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not like it's not going to win an Oscar or anything, but I had a good time. It's more that than it is like, you know, an incredible like this incredible classic. Right.
1: Agreed. I think I think you're right on the line of like the Michael Bay. It's, it's it's like a Transformers movie. It's like dodgeball. Like,
0: yeah, like that's a very interesting <laughs> went from the Transformers movies to dodgeball, which is not at all the kind of movie that I'm talking but, about. But like dodgeball
1: is not one like, that's like uh, you were never going to win an Oscar for dodgeball. I love Dodgeball, but you were never winning an Oscar for it.
0: No, I'm talking about fuck. I'm like talking specifically about like, yeah, like Transformers, yeah, like the Transformers part. are probably worse. But I'm thinking like fast, and Fur- like the, the very more, more recent Michael Bay movie Ambulance, which I fucking love. That movie is <laughs> that, that movie fucking rule.
1: Is that the one where he asked the price of like a, a certain rig and they said five hundred thousand so dollars like, all right, cool. And then he destroys the rig.
0: No, oh, that was that one post. What, what movie was that? Um, it was an ambulance. It was a different one. Was that? I, was it a transformer I, one? Might have wanted the transformer. No, ambulance is basically the movie Speed. <laughs> ambulance, um, um, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I, like, but again, that's gonna scratch. Like this scratches my itch. I, I don't care. That's not gonna be the instant class that we think of. But like. Uh, in a big move match, there's like Brock Lesnar big move matches, which I, you know, mileage may vary. But this one was just done in a way that I thought was effective. You knew it was going to be that because again, a barbed wire steel cage match. How many of those has WWE done in the in its history? Not many. Not, not many. Not many.
0: Um, so like I, I'm here for it. I- they have enjoyed from time to time, though, doing a cage with a bunch of weapons, we- just weaponized steel cage into them, which always looks kind of awkward and goofy to me. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. Uh, I think the fact that you had the barbed wire tied it together. Um,
0: I it really, do really tied the place together like, <laughs> like a rug.
1: I do wish, though, I, I guess kind of like, oh, they pretty much fought to the draw. And like the only reason why Cole won was because he had the enough wherewithal to cover Johnny. I would, I, I almost rather that Cole have hit a big move as opposed to them just both diving through the tables.
0: I get it. I mean, like, I guess you want to put over that they're on the like you, you don't want to like, like you, if like if you want to put over like one of them is like so clearly better than the or, like if you like you want to put over that like these guys are at, both on the same level, at, right? But,
1: but at this point, okay. like they had been doing this for. Th- Three pay-per-views in a row. It's okay at this point if Johnny loses to a move.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Because this is basically like the blow-off of the feud. You know what I mean? Like they've been doing this at a very high level for a long time. Like this was like almost like all of 2019 was fucking uh, Cole versus Gargano, right? Yeah. felt like it. Yeah, and then you don't like yeah. You, you, then then you have like both guys kick out of every move ever, and then like it's it's almost by happenstance that Cole wins, right? Like they both go and they both they both go through this table and they both die, and then Cole happens to be the one who rolls over him. Cole doesn't look like he's consciously doing it. Mm-hmm. Just happens to flop like his dead body flops on top of Johnny Gargano's dead body, and that's it. Yeah. So I get that. I, it, it's it's not a satisfying ending. It's I, it, it's a lot like
1: again, and that's kind of like the whole thing with this feud and how it went. Like as as a like if you're looking at it from afar, if you're looking at it like as a, just like an overall story, it makes sense, and it was very good. But then you start looking at like the very deep, not even very deep to it. You start trying to kind of like analyze. It's like, wait a second. There are some things that didn't quite add up here. And that was kind of like the whole Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano feud for me. Even though everything, everything they did was fantastic. It was just there were occasional notes that didn't get hit.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it almost goes like it's like I said, I kind of said before it like. It was a little bit too big for its own good, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that maybe like the, I don't know if like Triple H or whoever got a little bit too into how great these guys were together. And we're like, we got to go bigger. We got to go bigger. We got to go bigger with these two.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you can go too big. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they like, went too big. I think they went too big here. And like, again, this last fall is very entertaining. There's a bunch of cool moves that are really big and everything. But like for me, it just kind of ends up losing me because, mm-hmm. again, it's just big move. Kick out bigger move. Kick out, you know, and it's like some of the shit you guys should not be kicking out of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like have a reason like you have the like the cover. like they weren't even delaying
1: the covers like I'm OK if they delay the cover for the kick out there. It's I think an easier sell than just like immediate kick out. And they just there was never any of that delay cover
0: like Cole hitting like all these Panama sunrises and like hitting it off a ladder. And that's not the finish. It's like it just becomes a little too finisher spammy for me. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of am like, all right, where, where are we going here?
2: What's the story?
0: Yeah, but like like I would have been satisfied with the match we got in the first fall. Add on a few minutes to it. Like just take that, add on a few minutes and then give it a different ending. Like we, we were really getting somewhere fucking fantastic uh because you weren't gonna miss with these two like even what like even when we get i have my qualms with it but it's still really fucking good you know yeah
1: like what happened if they just do go out and do a singles match the last 42 minutes
0: yeah like, i mean just let them do a fucking big just let them do a big match you know i don't know it's good it's a good match i like it it's it's fun but I just remember I, I, I remember when I watched it, I had the same feeling that I had today. It's like yeah, it's an entertaining match. But but they could have had a better match mm-hmm. you know, if it was they just like everyone involved went about this differently, I feel like. that's just my opinion, you know. Yep. We're in line. Take us to our two and a half marks, Angelo.
1: Sure. Uh, starting off with my half mark, it's going to go to non-match segments with a huge spot. I think the one that we all think about is uh, HBK's super kick through the barbershop window, classic. But you know, uh, Killian Dane and Matt Riddle being the shit out of each other for like five minutes, then with Dane and Riddle going through a table with a security jabroni. Uh, again, a perfect kind of like pay-per-view pause moment that's not a million different replays that isn't recapping the events of the pay-per-view so far that moves a story along and gives a really big spot to somebody that you're like, hey, remember on the pay-per-view when Matt Riddle and Killian Dane went through the table even though they weren't in a match? That Again, things like that are really great, so I love that stuff. Uh, my one mark is going to the street Profits Inevitability. I mean, these two guys, man, just so much charisma so much talent so much like they're just so likable right now and i I think like you could do a lot with them they have a very good gimmick that you can kind of pivot in a million different ways montez ford is just such a freak athlete again the absolute height he got on his very first drop kick in that match dropped my jaw to the floor a drop kick dropped my jaw to the floor let me say that yeah Um, dawkins Again, Dawkins is someone that is a little bit underappreciated, but we know how great he is, how hard he's worked to kind of like get to a spot where he is today. And even back then, you could see it. You could see like things are starting to click for him in a way that is super meaningful. Uh, I think those two guys are great. I hope there's bigger things in their future besides just kind of like being great hands on SmackDown and Raw. I do hope they get like a really big story coming up soon because it feels like it's been a minute since they've been important. Uh Again, I the Street Profits are up and they want the smoke and I, I let's give them the smoke. And then my two marks, it's going to the fake. They aren't winning this match spot. I think we got some of it in Cole Gargano, but the one I'm really kind of talking about is the one with Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. I positively love the fact that you have Candice playing this baby face, kick out of Io's presumed finisher, and you really kind of start second guessing yourself. It's like, wait, are they going to actually have Io in her first match lose? I like because it it got me a little bit. I know it got me back then because it's just like that's EO's finisher. What do you mean Candice is kicking out? Uh, So I just again, whenever they can subvert expectations like that, you have you make EO come up with a new move that could be used as a finisher in the future. Um, Candice looks really good because she kicks out of a finisher. Like it's just a great kind of way to send everyone home happy, looking great. Uh, and really develop something moving forward. So two marks to the fake they aren't winning this match spot.
0: I'm actually going to have two negative marks here, uh, despite how much I enjoy this show. There's a couple things that, specific things that annoy me. I'm I'm going to give my half mark to, uh, how about four title matches here, all with the incumbent champion retaining. Huh. A title change here, folks. I want to see a title change. I am a, I am a little fucking mark, and I want to see the belt change hands. I want to see one of them change, <laughs> folks. I was like, man, that's that's kind of disappointing. I want to see someone win a title here. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little mark for that, you know. So yeah, uh, half mark for having no title changes on a pay per view. I Va- want to see one. Yeah, I think honestly, very
1: fair. If you're gonna have a pay per view without a title change, it, it better be a fucking classic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, you know, because it, it's, t- it's a takeover. It's not like it's not like a monthly pay-per-view, right? You know, WWE has monthly pay-per-views. So, like, you know, you can't have all these fucking belts changing hands all the time. But like when it's like a takeover or an AW pay-per-view where it's like they have only a few a year. Come on. Got to give you something. I'm going to give a negative one mark to WWE using the uh, misusing the uh, hottest free agent spot. So NXT used to be one of the things you would look forward to for NXT takeovers is like they would always have like this person who they were about to sign or have signed, but hasn't debuted. They would always show them in the front row and they'd be like, oh, the hottest free agent in sports entertainment is here. Like that's how very like Adam Cole debuted uh, for the first time on uh, NXT was him being shown in the front row at a show. Was it Ricochet? Another one? Ricochet. Yeah, Ricochet. Well, I, I was about to talk about Ricochet. Um, Ricochet was one. I remember they very memorably put him. Like, what's what's his shoot name?
1: Oh uh, wow, what's his real name?
0: Trevor yeah. Man. They they showed Ricochet in the front row, and the little nameplate said Trevor Ricochet in quotation marks Man, right? And then he ended up actually sound like and like guys like that. And you always used to be excited to be like, oh look, there's Ricochet. He's coming, folks. Oh, but here they do it to, like, they use that same spot where it's like, oh, we're showing this guy in the front row to, like, promote other WWE matches. (laughs) They have Ricochet there, but, like, Ricochet's already fucking They're like, oh, Ricochet's here, and it's like, I don't give a fuck that he's here. He's already on the main roster, and they do it with Tyler Bate and Walter, who because they're promoting the next NXT UK takeover, (laughs) which, of course, we had that. We talked about that on this podcast before. The Tyler Bate-Walter match is an incredible classic, one of my favorite matches ever, but it's also, like, no, don't use that shit to fucking promote a different match that you guys are already doing in WWE. I want to see who you, who you're signing, who's your next guy. Where's my guy at? I want my I want my hottest free agent. Fuck you.
1: Related to that? Uh, they did this. They did the debut thing with Dragon Lee, which yeah. again love that. And even though it's weird how they have booked him in NXT, I actually really got a kick out of him on Nathan Frazier's like talk show. I thought that was actually pretty amusing. So, well, in relation to this, I wanted to shout out Dragon
0: Lee. I like the concept of Nathan Frazier's gimmick now. Is that he's John Oliver, but for wrestling? I feel like he needs to be a little bit funnier. Like it hasn't completely clicked, but I like the concept. I Very like good. The concept. Just needs, I think they just got to work on it a little bit. But yeah, and then I'm going to give my two marks to someone debuting a new character, and then they're in, like five minutes into their entrance, it's like, oh shit, they're really cool, you know? Because that happens here at the usher. Like I always think about like. And this happened like twice, pretty like pretty consecutively in like 2016 SmackDown, when Naomi debuted the Glow character, and she was like super over by the end of her first entrance, right? Yeah. Um, when the Usos debuted the fucking their like new character, like after like in 2016, you know, like their character they have now as the is like the Usos that we like got rid of the goofy like you know they would do the uh,
1: island Samoans,
0: yeah, like the face paint, all that shit when they kind of became what they are now and it was like their first entrance you're like oh wait the usos are cool now (laughs) and like io here her first entrance you're like immediately within the first five minutes of her like first five seconds of her entrance you're like oh shit so she's like really fucking cool that's always fucking i don't know that's always like really fun
1: just a slow turn look over the shoulder man while that music's playing
0: yeah you're like oh okay no so she's gonna be really she's gonna be fucking badass right like this is gonna be really cool uh, that's always fucking great. Really? I always, you know, very, very rare that like you'll get someone that like like over on their first entrance. But like sometimes it happens and We're, it's always a memorable moment. The Usos
1: one I vividly remember because I remember them debuting right before I lapsed. So I remember them as the like the Island Samoans. And then when I came back, I'm like, wait, what the hell are the Usos doing right now?
0: I'm like, oh, wait, so they're just like cool. Yeah. That's like the whole thing is that they're just cool. All right. <laughs> and then you know that then the last seven years has happened um but yeah two marks to uh like basically like getting over as a really cool guy on your first entrance within like five seconds that if you can pull that off then you're cooking with fucking gas brother so that will bring us to our final order of business we're gonna hit the randomizer and see what we're gonna be watching next time on the podcast we are gonna be out next week I'm going to be out of town and, Angelo, you're going to be moving. So back to Jersey like a fucking loser. Uh, but t- t- tell your wife that. <laughs> she left New Jersey, folks. She doesn't live in Jersey anymore. She still she defends Jersey every day. I, but I, I don't care. Fuck you. Uh-uh. I, I, there's a reason why we don't live in Jersey and never will. But, yeah, as I pull this up, Angela, what do you want to see next time on the podcast? Because, again, we're not going to be here next week.
1: I think, oddly, I want something early 90s, maybe late 80s, just something old. I don't know.
0: Mm, no, we're not. We are going back to kind of the so this is uh, we're, we're going back to uh, kind of like late attitude era beginning beginning possibly of or like teasing beginning of invasion type era oh boy we're gonna be watching wwe or wwf because they hadn't remained it yet wwf judgment day 2001 from uh sacramento california uh we got a stone cold steve austin undertaker no holds barred match Ooh, event for the wwe title and we've got Tag Team Turmoil match that goes 25 minutes. Uh, we got a two out of three falls match between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit that I'm sure was a work rate masterpiece. Uh, a, a, another another three, hit, three stages of hell match. Uh, pinfalls only, submissions only, and then a ladder match with uh, Kurt Angle's Olympic gold medal on the line. And a few other title matches, some good names on this show. So yeah, that'll be next time on the podcast. WWF Judgment Day 2001. So... For my good friend Angelo and Lisa, my name is David Stackman. Thanks everybody for listening.